Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week, our guest is the senior United States Senator from Pennsylvania, Bob Casey. Now remember, we love taking your questions. So write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can, but don't forget to tell us where you're from. Please check out the links to our sponsors, Naked Wines, The Washington Post, and Miracle Made in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting these sponsors. It helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. James, uh, we got some stuff to talk about. We're going to get to Mitch McConnell in a minute. Uh, but first, uh, Michigan. <clears throat> Third contest this year. Biden won 80% of the vote. Trump, 70%. I actually think those contests and the others show the weakness of both candidates more than the strength. Trump is losing 30 to 40% of Republican votes when they know he'll be the nominee. Now, his MAGA core is as strong as ever, combined with Voters who automatically vote Republican, you know, that's maybe, you know, 39%. But that other 5 to 7% he needs to win uh, in a multi-candidate field is soft. And uh, some armchair analysts say, yeah, but, he, you know, he, he does well in independents and polls. But, you know, I pay more attention to how independents uh, are when they actually vote. That's when they're more focused. And he's got some problems. The Biden camp has big problems, too. Uh, they They have to worry about the what it was, I guess, 15% that voted uncommitted as a protest of what they view as his one-sided position on the Gaza war. If that war is still going on four or five months, uh, Joe Biden is in even deeper trouble than anyone imagined. But I'll tell you what else should worry him, uh, even if it's not going on, and that's the turnout. It was really bad. The, uh, the, the Republicans outperformed them uh, by about 30%. And uh, granted, the latter, the GOP may have had a more seriously contested race, but it's another sign of a less than energized Democratic Party, which has to change uh, if Biden is to win in November. Well, I don't see much to argue with you here. Uh, look, we knew this stuff in Gaza was a political problem, particularly on the Democratic side going into Michigan. We came out of Michigan. We still know it's a political problem. And I think this is being reported too much as well. There's a lot of Arabs there, and, you know, young people, University of Michigan, I don't know. This, is, this problem is deeper than just Muslim Americans or people under 25. It, this, and I don't think this is going to do anything but grow. And, of course, it's in Biden's political interest and interest of the United States to try to scale this thing down. Of course, BB is in his interest to stay out of jail to keep scaling it up. And we've talked about this before on this show. If this thing is still going on, God forbid that it would be, come to Democratic Convention, it's, it's going to be a Chicago pretty, redux. And not a very pretty sight in Chicago. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. And it, 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 you're right. And our turnout, our enthusiasm among Black voters and young voters is abysmal. Uh, hopefully we can try to address some of this uh, here in the coming six weeks or so. But it, it's it's a problem that just it doesn't get any better. 
It just gets, it gets, if anything, you know, it gets I, slightly worse. I, I agree with everything you just said. And, but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Trump has problems too. And the Republicans have problems too. I mean, all, all of this is before Ooh. any Ooh. criminal trial. Ooh. I mean, he's already lost a huge uh, civil trial. Uh, he was told today, he offered today to fork over $100 million because he said he couldn't afford anything more. He's been bragging now for the last eight years that he's a wealthy billionaire. Uh, now it's now it's uh, c- coming home to reality. And um, I don't know if if any of the criminal trial, particularly the January 6th, will go to trial before the election. I think it will unless the judges and the Supreme Court uh, decide to delay it. Uh, and if it does, it's a powerful case. And if he's a convicted criminal, I don't know, James, I, I, I thought access Hollywood. I thought, uh, you know, trying to intimidate the Ukrainians and have them lie about Joe Biden. I thought January 6th all would be, uh, you know, terrible for him, a, a death kneel. It hasn't. I think a criminal conviction might be. So uh, th- 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 this is a, a critique I ever feel pretty strong about. You're right. And people are obsessed. And it, it's it's endless. When is it going to be? When the Supreme Court can say, we have, a, we better go to post with what we got. All right. What we got is this. We're winning elections left and right. We have more money than they have. We have problems with with what's going on in Gaza. They have monumental problems what's going on with women's health care, with book murder. I think that are he's an adjudicated rapist. I think that the attitude of Democrats is we'll wait and maybe Jack Smith will get him or maybe Alvin Bragg will get him or maybe somebody else will get him. I think we just got to start hitting this guy. Don't look back. We got it, and they're in a weaker position than they are. They're in a weaker position than we are. And whenever you 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 have an advantage of which the Democrats have right now, it's hard to believe that when you look at our you know really tepid polling numbers, which are are, are not impressive at all. But we have got to jump on them now and jump hard. And, you know, there were 195 House Republicans that voted against uh, federal legislation to make contraception legal. That's the next thing they're coming for. And, you know, we said, I, I said they're coming for the right to choose. Oh, no, they're not going to do that. They'll, they'll, they'll just squeeze it a little bit, but they're not quite crazy. Well, they were that fucking crazy. And now they're coming for contraception. And, of course, the answer is going to be, well, it won't be that crazy. I mean, Alito won't let him do it. Oh, yes, he will. And, and we we got to tell people what's going on. And, you know, in this book burning, they're trying to get away from that as fast as they can. And we're out there painting an a exit ramp for them. No. Somebody go and find a list of every goddamn book they tried to burn or exclude from a classroom. I have never known a single Democrat to be a book burner. And, but we got, we got to make them pay. We, we, we can't wait down the line for this. And we're going to have weaknesses. Biden's age is an issue. McConnell retiring made it even more of an issue. But they got issues, too. And we got to start kicking them. Well, you bring up Mitch McConnell, who did... Um announce on Wednesday uh, he was retiring. Uh, the, the story is actually broken by our Sunday Zoom colleague, Mike Tackett, who's writing a biography of the Kentucky 
Republican. James, I have been a pretty steady critic of McConnell over the years. I'm not going to back down from those criticisms. What he did in the Supreme Court nominations, I think, displayed a contempt for the court and the Senate. He failed to condemn Russian interference with the 2016 elections. And I believe he made a major miscalculation in early 2021 when he could have delivered the votes to convict Trump and we would have been rid of that uh, evil menace in politics. I also disagree on money in politics. However, having said all of that, when you consider some other issues like the budget and Ukraine, he is a voice of comparative reason. He's willing to deal most of the time, which I doubt his successors will be. And approve of him or not, and I'm more on the negative side, he is one of the most powerful Senate leaders in the last half century. That's just a reality. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, but, you know, he, he unilaterally changed the number on the Supreme Court. He is the person with Leonard Leo most responsible for the complete overtaking of an entire branch of government. Uh, but, yes, uh, would he negotiate on Ukraine and other things? Okay. I mean, it's pretty minimum standard, but... Let, let's acknowledge that he met that standard. And, you know, of course, him saying that he's retiring does not help Biden at all because all every story is about how he's quitting and Pelosi's quitting and Clyburn's quitting and Biden's not. It's just you can't wish that shit away. You know, it's, it goes back to our original theme of Michigan, et cetera. It, it doesn't help Biden and it doesn't help the Republicans. No. Uh, because uh, where do you see who succeeds him? I mean, the one thing he is, and I, I just enumerated my problems with him, he is, he is smart, savvy, and he knows politics. He does. Uh, I, can't, I can't see a successor in sight who comes anywhere close but, to But his, the other big thing he could do, and he's, he's kind of too old, he could really raise money. He could raise all that oh, dark boy. money. Yeah. Ask Jane Mayer. He's yeah. the dark money. Yeah. You know, when, when you go to count, Mitch McConnell, the, the by didn't he well or bad? Or he he did this with the federal district and everything. He, his number one legacy, his number one negative legacy is he is the guy most responsible for the flood of dark and corporate money in American politics. Not even close. And that I think I think the courts are tied. I think they're 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 they're, they're one two the bunch. The people in the courts that did that. But you can, yeah, you yeah. know, it, it, at at every juncture, he is the dark money political champion of the United States, and that's yeah. got to be on no, his tombstone. No question, no question. If you want the best independent wines, go at Naked Wines. You know. I, this is something I know something about. I, I would hardly consider myself an expert. And I've looked at the selections they make. And A, I, I can tell you that, that they're quite innovative and they're quite good. And the way that they put this together, the pricing is really good. And if you're like me and you enjoy wine a lot or sometimes you like a little different varietal, these people are right on the right on the money, man. And, and I, I've looked at the stuff that they come up with, and I'm sure that they have a deal with 
you know, some of the vineyards and buy in bulk and pass it on. But, you know, I'm not Robert Parker or, or, or James Suckling or anybody like that, but I know a good glass of wine when I taste one. And I'm, about 60% of the wine labels around the world I can decipher, and this is some good stuff. Well, I'm like you. I'm not. A, I'm certainly not a, a wine connoisseur, although I really I love wine. It's about all I drink, and uh, I, I learn a little bit about it from uh, our dear friend Joel Fleischman, who used to be the wine critic for Vanity Fair. But Naked Wines um, uh, sent us some wines. James, it's good. It really is good. And uh, yeah. uh, this, the, they're sponsoring this podcast. And it's a subscription subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. I mean, with Naked Wines, you get a box filled with market's best quality wines whenever you'd like for a fraction of the price you normally pay in stores. Now, how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly giving you vineyard to your store delivery at up to 60% off of store prices by cutting out the traditional retail middleman cost and markups. Winemakers pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. As a result, you'll get exclusive access to hundreds of top quality award-winning wines at a huge savings. Naked Wines is perfect for any wine drinker. And I'm sure my friend Joel Fleischman would agree. And, you know, James, you and I have always hated going to the store and being paralyzed by the wine options and prices and, and all the rigmarole. It's a luck of the draw sometimes. Now we get exactly what we want. We know what we know we're getting quality wines and there's no more road trips to the store. Uh, plus, Naked Wines helps you take any dinner to the next level with a perfect bottle for any occasion. Thanks to Naked Wines, uh, we just had an amazing dinner. Uh, the I'm not a, much of a red wine drinker, but there was a terrific 2021 Matt Parrish Reserve Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, which others drank. Uh, even though it was uh, a meat dinner, James, uh, you may disapprove of this, but I drank the uh, Chardonnay. Uh, but it was one to remember. And the best part, every bottle is a passionate project from an independent winemaker. So you are literally making an independent winemaker's dreams come true. There are no commitments or membership fees, and it's hassle-free. So head to nakedwines.com slash warroom and click enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in War Room for both the code and passwords to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping including. Let me repeat that. Six bottles for $39.99 including shipping. That's $100 off and less than $7 a bottle. That's nakedwines.com slash warroom. And use the code and password WARROOM and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, nakedwines.com slash WARROOM, code and password WARROOM for 100 hours off your first six bottles. You also can find the link in our show notes. James, our guest 
Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania is one of the very few senators liked and respected by both sides. He's seeking his fourth term this November, running against a Republican billionaire. Lots to talk about, Senator, but first your reaction to the news Wednesday afternoon that Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader, is stepping down this year? Well, I have to say that I, it, it took me by surprise. I, I didn't obviously hadn't had any conversations with Mitch about uh, about this, but uh, it's um, it, it was surprising. But it's um, you know he's had a, a difficult year physically, so I, I don't know if that's if that's causing it. But uh, it's a it's a it'll be a significant loss to their caucus. Yeah. It will. Um, let me talk about some issues confronting uh, the Senate now. You apparently have avoided a government shutdown, but it's only postponed for several weeks. This is a game of Russian roulette. I mean, it just is a hell of a way to run a railroad, isn't it, Senator? Yeah, no, I don't think anyone who's rational would, would uh, prefer having these short-term CRs. It's kind of stop-and-go government. Um, but that's that's the position that Republicans often put the, the Congress in, which is to uh, which is to have kind of the extremes drive the train, and the the most extreme. There's never been a house like this in American history. This extreme radical right house, and so they put us in this position. We have to figure out every time there's a deadline a new way to come up with an agreement to fund the government. But uh, the, the only good news here is it's, it is it is the House. Uh, Leader Schumer, Leader McConnell, Leader Jeffries are all on the same page to avoid a shutdown and get a deal. And the administration obviously is as well. So I hope that uh, Speaker Johnson will both uh, uh, allow a consensus to prevail to fund the government and to, to fund the security supplemental on Ukraine and Israel, as well as uh, the f- as part of that, making making it possible to pass the fend-off fentanyl legislation, which is bipartisan legislation I've worked on, as, as have many uh, in the Senate on both sides of the aisle, to give the federal government and the president both more authority and, and, and uh, additional steps to crack down on fentanyl by way of sanctioning the bad guys in China, where it starts, with these precursor chemicals and to crack down on these cartels with more heavy duty sanctions and anti-money laundering provisions for the treasury department. So the, the, one of the biggest wins to, that we could imagine to just begin to, 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 to uh, cut back on fentanyl, the fentanyl trafficking is part of this Ukraine bill. Um, so we want, we want, uh, want that to get passed and it's all down to whether the speaker will allow a vote or not. Senator Casey, you have won three elections for the Senate and earlier state offices. You've usually won comfortably. Your opponent this year, David McCormick, is a billionaire who is also raising money from other of the guiltless rich crowd. Uh, That's a pretty difficult race, isn't it? A really tough race, Al, no question about it. You and James know our state pretty well. It's, It's a state that often is close. Uh, In a presidential, recent presidentials, even more so. So when you when you combine the year that, that I'm running in, a presidential year plus the virtually unlimited wealth of my opponent, um, and you add in the fact that already after just four months of work, 
two of his billionaire friends have set up an $18 million super PAC. And they, that, that super PAC will grow easily, easily to 50 million. And so they're going to try to pummel me while he's promoting himself. So it's going to be a rough, tough, close race. Yeah. He's a longtime Pennsylvanian, isn't he? <laughs> Talk about a loaded well, question. He, <laughs> he, he told the people of our state when he, you know, he, he started running in, in 2022 in that Republican primary. And ever since then, he told people he was living in Pennsylvania. You know, he had you know, grown up in Pennsylvania and then uh, was spending a lot of time in, in Connecticut as a hedge fund manager or CEO, I should say. And when he came back, he said he was living in Pennsylvania, but the Associated Press caught him in his lie. He's not living in Pennsylvania. He lives in Connecticut. Simple as that. And I think that's going to I think that's going to be an issue in this campaign because people in our state want to be represented by someone who understands the state, who has lived in the state. I live in the same house in Scranton that I I've lived in since 1991 and uh, grew up in the city and spent virtually every with with a couple of years in college and and in uh, one or two other years, virtually every year of my life in, in Pennsylvania. So. I think it's going to be an issue. Senator, is Joe Biden going to be a drag on you and your ticket? No, I think I think President Biden's going to win the state. It's going to be hard, uh, exceedingly difficult, but I think he's going to win the state, and uh, I'm going to win too. But it's uh, but it's a tough, tough race. There's no question about it in both of them, both the Senate race and the presidential race. But uh, we're 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 used to tough battles. Well, I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, James Carver, who knows a little bit about tough battles in Pennsylvania uh, with a Casey at the at the top with a ticket. James, go ahead. <laughs> so, so, Senator, I, I want to get to something really important. I'm going to stand on March 16th that President Clinton's going to be talking to the friendly sons in Scranton. Right. I heard and that. And I, I, I'm trying to come. I texted with Governor Shapiro. He told me he's moving his schedule around, and he's coming, too, because he doesn't want to miss a great event that <laughs> Uh, Lynn Brown, Jim Brown's wife, says nothing but red faces and white hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a, it's it's quite an event. It's you know this. Well, I, I, yeah. I'm really trying to, I'm trying to get up there because I, I have so many friends in Scranton and so many friends in Pennsylvania. Uh, you're still a United States senator. Tell us a little bit about some of the legislation that you're working on and, and things that you're trying to advance here going forward. And what are you going to continue to work on through your fourth term coming up. Yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier, James, uh, this fentanyl problem. We've got a terrible problem throughout the country, as you know, the trafficking of fentanyl. But by the way, most of the fentanyl trafficked into the United States through ports of entry is trafficked by American citizens, which is often missed in the debate. But it's a, it's a, uh, a vexing problem. And one of the ways that we can attack this problem in addition to the the, uh, the the broader issues about border security, we should have the, the Republicans should have worked with us to to pass the bipartisan border deal, which would have allowed us to hire thousands more border patrol and ICE agents and and beef up security at the border. But in addition to that, we lost the opportunity because they they blew up the deal, Senate Republicans. We lost the opportunity to invest in the best technology in the world to find fentanyl. In every vehicle that passes the through the ports of entry, in cargo and vehicles, they could. This technology is so sophisticated; it can find fentanyl in a car tire, 
in a compartment in a car, wherever it is, it can find it. And, and that bill would have provided us uh, an additional billion dollars for that. So when that deal went down, I wanted to make sure that we had um, a backup for that. So I introduced a, a bill that will will provide that same kind of funding for technology to stop fentanyl at the border. And and that's so that's going to be, unfortunately, that's not done. That's going to continue to be a, the subject of my work this year. And I hope uh, we can pass it this year. But if not, and if I'm reelected, I want to continue to work on that next year. But I hope I don't have to. I hope we can pass the bill. But that's one one area where, where we're working on. I think there's some some issues where where I've been pushing very hard to pass legislation to lift up families. We have a an opportunity and a tax bill coming up once again, unless Senate Republicans block it, but a bipartisan tax bill that will reinstitute the the child tax credit or parts of the child tax credit from 2021, where we're focused on uh, a lot of low-income families that benefit from that child tax credit so they, they can buy food for their children. The same bill will also help a lot of small businesses across the country. So I'm, I, I think one of the most important things I could do in the Senate in the next couple of years is to make sure that we bring back a much more robust version of the child tax credit. It is a, it is a transformative way to reduce child poverty and to help families raise their kids, especially when, when a lot of families don't have, you know, they're paying higher food prices, which is another thing I've been working on, which is our greedflation reports where we're, we're going after big companies that are jacking up their prices, especially food prices, while corporate profits are going through the roof. So that's just a, a quick summary, but we could talk about more. So, so, Senator, you know, we talk about the border, and as you pointed out, we had legislation that we all supported. It so happens last week, my wife and I were in El Paso speaking to a, a business group. These were hardly, they weren't particularly partisan people, but they were certainly not partisan Democrats at all. And strangely enough, the person that they really like is Secretary Mayorkas. They think he listens to them. They think people come down there. They all take pictures. They leave. They don't understand what life is. And I was kind of mildly pleased and surprised that they all had pretty favorable things to say about him. And they've made him into this sort of horrible boogeyman that is not doesn't even comport at all with who this guy is or his background or anything else. But I, I just pass that on to you because I, I mm-hmm. thought that was a kind of interesting. And again, this did not come from the Democratic state senator yeah. or anybody else. This came from like people like we know, you know, you know, in Pennsylvania, yeah. Pennsylvania society, chamber of commerce mm-hmm. people. Uh, well, Se- Secretary Mayorkas, James, as you know, was part of that negotiation in the Senate where James Lankford, who's about as conservative as you get, and he, he was the lead negotiator for Republicans, he wanted to make sure Mayorkas was in the room because he knew that of Mayorkas's knowledge of, of border security, obviously, very few people in the country know more, and he he had confidence in him. And so when they made that deal between those senators and then eventually a broader deal, which 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 Senate Republicans blew up. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas was right in the middle of that, working on the details of it, because it it's complicated stuff. So before I turn back to Al, I'll point out, we had Senator Langford on uh, considerably early, and I, he just struck me as, you know, he's a pretty bright-wing guy. He's a disagreeing politically, but he, 
he seemed like a nice enough guy, and at least he, he was trying to do something. And so if you see him, would you you please tell him that Al and I send him, send him our best, and we remember fondly when he was on our podcast. I will. Al, and, and, we'll, I will. and we'll invite him back. Senator, you mentioned something about uh, uh, greed, grubbing companies, and maybe that has uh, you know a lot to do with the fears of the cost of living. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, Al, it's, uh, it's something that uh, I think a lot of people, in, most people in Washington didn't pay much attention to. But for years, um, this, this uh, term, greedflation, has been around. And it's basically this. It's, it's basically when a corporation uh, it has their prices jacked up well beyond their costs. Now, no one would begrudge a company if their costs are going up for whatever reason to, to increase their prices to offset that. But companies, a lot of big companies, a lot of the big food conglomerates and others uh, jacked up their prices and corporate profits went up 75% between July of 20 and July of 22, five times the rate of inflation, five times. So we just pointed that out. We talked about greedflation. We talked about we can directly attribute uh, increased cost to, to families in Pennsylvania to one thing, greedflation. Now, did greedflation cause all the inflation in 2021, 22, 23? No, but it caused a hell of a lot of it. A big chunk of the inflation was caused by greedflation. And then there's another concept, which is kind of a subset of it, which is shrinkflation. And people have been noticing this for years, even though they may not have had that term, where the, the contents of the package, everything everything you can imagine from, from soft drinks to potato chips to, to you know, Cake, whatever, whatever you can think of. Over time, the contents of the package get smaller, but the price doesn't drop, and that's that. I believe is a deceptive practice, and that's why we're just introduced a bill today uh, to to uh, allow the Federal Trade Commission to investigate that. But you have to pass a law to make sure that they can label that a de- deceptive practice. So, bottom line is, it, we have to call this out for what it is. We have to make sure that we're not only giving the, the Federal Trade Commission more power. Federal Trade Commission has very weak powers when it comes to price gouging, for example. States states have a lot of power, but the Federal Trade Commission has, has very weak powers. we got to change that. Uh, I've got a bill to do that as well. And then finally, we've got to help the families that are paying those higher prices. That child tax credit, which I mentioned, is part of that. It's a direct transfer to families to help them pay for the cost of of living the cost of raising children. And we should re- repeal or roll back those big corporate tax giveaways in that gross, obscene 2017 tax bill that, that gave permanent corporate tax relief to, to all these big companies. You know what they did with it? They had all these stock buybacks, and then they jacked up all their prices and, and made working families pay, pay the cost. So this is this, and they're by the way, these companies are mad as hell at me right now. They're they're gonna they're 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 some of the people that are funding the the super PAC, and and you know what? Just like FDR said, I I welcome I I welcome their anger. I hope they're angry, and I tell them this: get used to it because we are not going away. I'm gonna stay on them for as long as I have power. Stay on their back and make sure that people know they're jacking up their prices in a way that is. It's it's pernicious and it's it's immoral and it's disgusting. 
Well, let me switch to another touchy subject, or not touchy, but a subject that's difficult right now for the administration and Democrats, and that's Ukraine. Uh, yep. They need weapons uh, if they're going to uh, fend off the Russian uh, invasion. But some of your colleagues, like Republican J.D. Vance, says, hey, we ought to be spending money on our own problems, the border, uh, not, uh, you know, 5,000 miles away or 4,000 miles away in Ukraine. Well, it's going to be an issue in my race, too, because my opponents come out against the Ukraine bill, just like he came out against the border bill after yelling and screaming about uh, what the administration should be doing. So th this is a this is a uh, a uh, a MAGA. Uh, it's a MAGA position to be against Ukraine, to be in favor of, of Putin. And I hope the speaker would at least allow a vote. I think if there's a vote, we could get as many as 300 votes. At least the, the House vote counters tell us that. But it, it's, it, it's rare that you have, have a, an issue which, which is so clear. It's, it's up or down on Putin. You're either for Putin or, you're, or you want to defeat him. And, and we should pass this legislation to make sure that Ukraine has the weapons that they need, to make sure that they have the economic support for their own economy, and also to help our our uh, defense industrial base. If we pass this Ukraine bill, you know where most of the defense money will be spent? Right here. It, in, in places like Scranton, Pennsylvania, right down the road from my house, they're making shells that, that go right to Ukraine. And we haven't had that kind of uh, production out of, out of a manufacturer like that in a long time. So it's, 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 it's essential that, that Putin is defeated. And it's also damn good for us to do it. Let me ask you one more before turning it back to James. That's your your Pennsylvania Senate colleague, John Fetterman, came to the Senate under unusual circumstances following a stroke. How is he doing? He's doing well. And in fact, the, uh, the, the courageous move that he made was to go to Walter Reed to get help there because he had he was uh, suffering from a mental health problem while he was trying to shoulder or bear the burden of a uh, of a, a post-stroke uh, circumstance, so he had both he had both problems on his shoulders, and he spent a couple of weeks at Walter Reed, and that I think that I'm not a doctor, of course, but I think it changed his life. I went to see him just before I got out, and I have never seen someone more relieved and more happy that he had had worked through some difficult issues, and it it's uh, it's changed his life. I think it's allowed him to serve. And uh, I'm really happy for what he did. And I think it showed a lot of courage because there'll be a lot of guys out there for the next uh, couple of decades who might get treatment uh, because someone like John, who's so prominent, uh, would, would stand up and admit he had a, a problem and, and, uh, and get the treatment he needed. Well, that's good to hear. James. So, Senator, I got to give you an A-plus in, in, in political acumen. When you talked about these companies, and I just have a couple of things that I, I say. I say it to you, you feel free to pass it on to Congress. Don't say inflation, say cost of living. Mm -hmm. right? We understand what you're going through in cost of living. By the way, that's why we lowered the price of insulin, which is, yep. I, I guarantee you, 40, 45% of the families deal with insulin costs, either themselves or through loved ones or family members or anything else. That's why the president released the strategic petroleum reserve, because back then he knew the price of, of, of filling your go up was, was too high. 
and we understand that these corporations have taken advantage of this moment to conspire to even raise prices further than they would normally be. But when you say that, then people think you get their lives, as opposed to the worst thing we can say, and I'll repeat this, and say, well, inflation is coming down. That doesn't mean you lose them as soon as you say that. The moment you say, I understand what you're dealing with in the cost of living, and that's why we did X, Y, and Z, and then at the end of that, you could say, and it's start, you know, thank God, maybe we got a long way to go, but it is starting to moderate some. But I, I can't tell you how proud I am that you have seized this issue. And uh, because when there's it, a focus group, when you get to it and they talk about the causes, the first thing they go to is these companies are using this as an excuse to raise our prices. So I, I, I congratulate you on something that is necessary, true, and, and demonstrates a, a great deal of, of, of political acumen, uh, if, if, if you will. But, uh, you know, I, I, but, but when we asked about Senator Federman, you had a little health challenge. Just tell us, are you doing fine? I hope uh, you, you're coming along good after your surgery. Oh, I was really lucky, James. Last A year ago on Valentine's Day, it was my surgery for prostate cancer. And uh, I've been really lucky. And look, every case is different, but but guys should make sure that they get their PSA tests and and just uh, just keep up with it. But if you find it early and you get you get uh, good treatment like I got, you can get through it. Well, that that's a you know that's very great. And that's very courageous for you to speak of this. And we we're, we're so happy that you're doing well because you're a, a necessary voice. Because why? Other people are chasing more glamorous issues. I think you understand the basic things that American families are confronted with day in and day out, and that's the cost of living. And I I, got to tell you, I think you're on the right track. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, I hope I'll I'll see you in Scranton. If not, I know I'll see a bunch of our (laughs) friends up there. So good luck to you. James, thanks. Hey, Al, thank you. And, you know, I used to work for James, so... Good to be back with the folks. Hey, well, no, uh, Senator, I understand that because I work for him now. So I, 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 I fully. He was our North Philadelphia coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, I took orders well from James. <laughs> All right. Cost of living, not inflation, Senator. Cost of living. All right. Thank you. How great is the Washington Post, Mr. Carville? Well, I mean, I could go back in history and tell you, you know, the role that they played in the Pentagon Papers, the role that they played in uh, Watergate, to say the least. Uh, they've had, over the years, a, a, a really first-ranked sports page that I think is, is starting to get even better uh, you know, it, it covers the nation's capital. And, and honestly, if you're a, a, listen to this show or you have any interest in the public affairs of the United States or the world, I, 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 I mean, I'll say this in all sincerity, the Washington Post is indispensable. I mean, I, can you really be a, a, a really informed citizen and not read the Post? I don't know. First of all, I'm not sure I'm a really 
informed citizen, but I know one thing. I read the Post every day. You're an informed citizen. Actually, I read it three or four <laughs> times a day. Be more honest with it. And, uh, you know, it's like it, it, it's, it, it's historically a, a, a very good, you know, top-tier prestigious news, newspaper or site or whatever the shit you call them now. And, and it still is, and it's getting, it's getting. Honestly, I think it's getting better. And I, well, it's, a, it's a, it's a very, very important part of anybody's news diet. Well, you're great. They have that great legacy tradition under the wonderful stewardship of the Graham family, uh, and then sold it to the deep pockets of Jeff Bezos, who has invested. Uh, and then I met the uh, new publisher uh, the other night, uh, Will Lewis, and he is uh, enormously impressive. And, you know, when life moves fast, knowing what's going on in the world and, you're, and in your industry is more important than ever. So get the latest and stay informed by subscribing to The Post, The Washington Post. The speed of news never stops and quality reporting is critical. That's why The Washington Post is one of our must-reads for understanding how current events impact us, our work, and our family. It's the first thing I've done every morning for over 50 years, James. The podcast is sponsored by The Washington Post, where you can go deeper in the news that matters most to you. Their journalists bring you the facts and clarity about Capitol Hill, the economy, climate change, foreign policy, and everything else you care about. Whether it's breaking news Updates, the most comprehensive political and international coverage, thought-provoking opinions, or even new dinner recipes, a Washington Post subscription has something for every reader. Every day, there are stories that will explain the world, teach you something new, and inspire you. Who are your favorite writers at the Post, Mr. Carville? That's a tough choice because there's so many. Dan Bouts would, would be one yep. for sure. And I, I don't know her, but I really like that. Is her name Carol Leone? Carol Leone, like great that. investigative reporter. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if I, I may have met her at a book party or something. But but I, I, but there are a lot of them. That they're, there are a ton of them, and you know, on, on the also on the opinion pages and you know the sports pages. I mean. Some of the stuff they got, you know, look, I wouldn't ask you to read this if I didn't read it five times a day every day. And promise me, I promise you, I do. James, when I want to know what I think about foreign policy, it's a very simple way to find out. I just read David Ignatius. Uh, and you mentioned Dan Balls, who's probably the premier political reporter in America. But they got a great staff with him, uh, you know, with Ashley Parker, Josh yeah. Dulcey. That's a really, that's a talented, talented team. No, they got a, they got a whole bunch in, in you know, they get better. I mean, I've just been knowing Dan for so long. But it, it's good that they keep some bold salts around and mix them in with some of the younger people they got. It's a, you know, they, they got a challenging environment they're working in. I think they, they, they I think they're getting yeah. better. Just me. They, I'm proud of their sponsor hours. Their sleekly designed app makes it easy to stay up to date on the latest news, save stories to your reading list, and follow your favorite authors. You can even listen to their articles when you're on the go. You name it, they cover it. Climate, culture, crosswords, cooking, and that's just the letter C. Recently, we've been loving their Inspired Life section that documents human moments and acts of kindness. You know, it really is the perfect anecdote to doom scrolling. Remember, a Washington Post subscription makes it easy to access quality, trustworthy journalism, and it's affordable, too. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash War Room 
to subscribe for just 50 cents a week for your first year. And in this election year, if you don't do it, you are really, it's a great disservice to yourself. So WashingtonPost.com slash War Room to subscribe for just 50 cents a week for the, your first year. That's 80% better than their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com slash War Room to subscribe for just 50 cents a week for your first year. You can find the link to great journalism in our show notes. Hey, James, now for the outrage of the week. Um, at the Gong Show, also known as the CPAC convention, Matt Schlapp, the maestro of the once respectable conservative forum, and House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan joked about Fulton County and Trump prosecutor Fannie Willis's sex life with one of her assistants. You know, that's a subject that those two should avoid. When Jordan was assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State, according to six Buckeye wrestlers at the time, he covered up sexual assaults on athletes for the team doctor. Then they say he is continually lied about it. Now, Schlapp was sued by a man named Carlton Huffman, uh, a young activist uh, and driver in a, in a Georgia Republican campaign who said that Schlapp, who was a big deal, of course, fondled him in the car against his wishes. Two other men, one a young Republican, charged Schlapp stripped to his underwear and rubbed against him. And another said Schlapp tried to kiss him. You know, Fannie Willis looks like Joan of Arc compared to those two, James. So my outrage is the state of Arkansas. All right, so wait a minute, James. You lived in Little Rock in the Clinton campaign. You got Brendan, Arkansas. Oh, oh, very true. Let, let, let's start with the story of abortion. So the people in Arkansas are trying to get a ballot measure to make abortion accessible through 20 weeks. Of course, the national pro-choice people think that that's insufficient and they're not going to put any money in Arkansas and not going to put any money in South Dakota because they want to put in money where they know people. And, of course, the uterus of a woman in Arkansas Delta or, or, or somewhere in southern Arkansas in El Dorado or Texarkana, but that, well, we, don't, we can't be bothered with that and we don't like it because it, it's 20 weeks and not whatever. Right. But that, that's why... They beat the hell out of all of you, and that's why we're fighting day in, in and day out to protect th this right that we had before because y'all into wine and cheese parties and people that think like you do. But I got to go to the governor of Arkansas, Miss Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who Josh Marshall does a good job on talking points. Okay, we got to get this guy on a show. She went to the Super Bowl, flew out there, no one knows how, was in a Taylor Swift suite. No one knows who paid for it, how it got there, was staying in Las Vegas over the Super Bowl. No one knows. The governor's office doesn't say anything. You know, I remember in the late 90s when Washington fainted that Mike Espy's chief of staff got somebody Super Bowl tickets. The only criminal conviction in the entire Clinton administration was his chief of staff for buying underpriced Super Bowl tickets. While the governor of Arkansas flits out of there, 
no accountability. Forget the podium. I, I think Josh figured out it was like $202,000. And they saying, but it's not going to say anything about it. Well, that's, I'm sorry. You know, I remember when the Super Bowl used to be a big issue to people. Now no one knows what the shit it is. And, and this person is doing all of this crap. And can, can I, I, I guarantee you I could have a pretty good idea of who paid for this. And it's precisely and exactly who you think it is. It's people that have tremendous interest before the Arkansas state government, the Arkansas governor, the Arkansas legislature. But somebody's got to be bothered besides Josh to ask questions about this. High in the hell on a $125,000 salary, do you jet out there and stay in a 50-yard line box hanging out with, you know, all the people that you supposedly decry? Oh, my God, Taylor Swift, what a, that's all fake. She's a whatever. So we got to pursue this, and it's worth a lot more than your stupid podium. Amen. Amen. She'll probably become a Taylor Swift conspiracy type if, uh, if pressed by her right wing. But uh, they, they will not answer the phone. It's okay. You had who, who paid that question? Where'd you stay? Who paid for that? And, and I know because I've been, when, when my wife was in the White House, when Clinton was in the White House, it, very strict rules about what you could take from casinos or people like that. You, had, you know, they, 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 they couldn't copy if they wanted to. But somebody comped her big time and we need to ask who. Good, good, good question. Hey, folks, sleep cool and clean with Miracle May. You know, I, I, we talk about this and I'll repeat it. The, for most people of, of normal health, the most Determinative thing that how you're going to feel any given day depends on how much sleep you get the night before. You know, it's it's cold out and the heaters are blasting uh, and uh, you're used to struggling to find the perfect temperature. But there's a way to sleep in perfect comfort all night long using NASA-inspired silver-infused bed sheets by Miracle Made. Their self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding prevents 99.7% of bacteria and requires three times less laundry because they they stay fresher three times longer. Now, you'll stop sleeping on bacteria that can clog your pores and cause breakouts and acne. So sleep clean with Miracle. And trust us, with no more gross odors, life is a whole lot easier on your spouse. That's because Miracle Made uses temperature regulating silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA for maximum comfort. Imagine getting better sleep every night. Even better, Miracle Sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. They feel as nice or even nicer than bed sheets used at some five star hotels. You'll feel like you're on vacation every time you go to bed. So go to trymiracle.com slash warroom to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40% 
And if you use our promo code WARROOM at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash warroom and use the code warroom to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash warroom to treat yourself. All right, James, now for uh, those terrific questions that we get from our terrific listeners. Uh, David in Sacramento, California. This is a recurring theme, which you've said we're going to address sometime soon. said his wife is sending postcards to low-propensity Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters in battleground House districts uh, in Southern California. She says this increases their chances of voting, and if they vote in a primary, they're more likely to vote in the general election. Does this work? What does the data show? It's one of a number of of letters we're getting about what can we do. I can't tell you how big I am into this. And I I, I, I can tell you, does it work or not work? I do know that political science is pretty determinative that repeater voter contacts do matter. And there's a place, and our friend Simon Rosenthal, who uh, thinks called Markers for Democracy, let me recommend this site. And Simon tells me, and I trust him, that they're very organized and you can get names. And, and I, I don't know what he told me. It's an astronomical number of postcards that they sent in this New York 3 election where, frankly, we were all shocked. But we had all the polling, all the data. We knew everything was going on. We didn't see this coming. I think when political science unearths this, they're going to find out, I think postcard writing, and I mean this in all sincerity, I I think it's one of the most effective things that people can do to try to save this country. And I, I, I think if some people, if they get a handwritten postcard, just write it from the heart, and I, I think, you know, they're going to give you names, it's going to be strategic, it's going to be two people that fit a certain profile in states or areas that fit a certain profile. But I think this is something that people can do. I'm really excited that this kind of stuff can work. And it's called Markers Markers for Democracy. You can look it up and I have... Uh, a, a, it, you can also read Simon's piece on Substack, which we are big fans of. But th- this kind of stuff is the kind of shit we're going to have to do to win this election. So the answer to your question, I am high on postcard writing. Of course, I can't James, say all right, but that's me. James, <laughs> you're, you're right. Not only are we high on Substack, James, but you're burying the lead. We're going on Substack starting next week. Right. So we'll, we'll tell all of our viewers, uh, our listeners about that. Um, Jim in Windsor, Colorado says, uh, I agree with you all that Joe Biden has been a great president. I also agree he shouldn't run in 2024. My question is, I will be voting in the Colorado presidential primary in a couple weeks. What should I do? I'm inclined to vote for Dean Phillips to lodge my protest. 
Jim, I, I don't really want to tell anyone how to vote, but that train's left the station. I mean, it really has. Uh, and, you know, if it makes you feel good to cast a protest vote, you know, go ahead. But it's not going to make any difference. Dean Phillips, I think, you know, who, who I, I don't criticize him for what he did. He tried to raise an important issue. He, he finished a miserable fourth in Michigan. So um, Biden's going to be the nominee. Uh, and the question now is, can he win in November? And that's at best a 50-50 proposition right now. Yeah, I, 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 I'll be, I'll be honest with you, vote for who you want or vote in the primary or not vote or vote for Biden or vote for Dean Phillips. God damn it, don't forget to vote in the general. Absolutely. I mean, Colorado may be a bluish state, but it, it's not that blue that you can sit home and forget about it. No, and uh, and there may be some other races in that state too. Rick in New, in New Rochelle, New York, <clears throat> says in order for President Biden to put the age issue behind him, he needs to address it head on and speak to the nation about it. Like JF. K did about his Catholicism before the Houston ministers in 1960, or Barack Obama's speech on race. What are your thoughts, James? Uh, it, it, I appreciate it. Uh, nice guy, well-meaning. You're never going to put the age issue behind you. Uh, it, never going to happen. You, you, you could say the alphabet backwards, all right, on live TV, it, I don't think he's going to put it behind him. By the way, I don't think he's going to say the alphabet backwards either. And I think that what we need to do is, yeah, we have a problem with the age issue. We have a problem with Gaza. We have a problem with cost of living. But I want you to think of this. We're winning elections left and right. This whole Reproductive rights issue is the most powerful thing I've seen in American politics, but I'm sure in my lifetime, but I can't think of anything that's changed the overall dynamic and get them for book burning. That people, they're trying to get out of this and people hate it. So we got our problems, you got your problems, your problems are bigger than our problems, so we're going to talk about your problems. That, 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 that's what I would say. But the day just is not going to go away. There's no Larry David joke that you can pivot to to make it go away because it's a real issue. Right, it is. It's not Mark in Lexington, Kentucky, oh, uh, the, home of the, the home of the Wildcats, uh, <clears throat> who haven't won in a long time or haven't won big time the way they expect to. Mark asked, uh, would, authorize, would uh, making authoritarians governments admired spells Maggie. That's right. That's what they are. They admire Victor Orban and others. What would their hero, Ronald Reagan, think of his party today? You know, I, I didn't agree with a lot of what Reagan did. Reagan was a conservative, a staunch conservative. Trump is an authoritarian quasi-fascist. That's a big difference. And what Trump has done with his domination of the Republican Party has just really kind of buried Ronald Reagan uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the dust dustbin of, uh, of history. And some of the people who for years in the Republican Party have been saying we're Reagan Republicans, let's see if you speak out now. Most of them are not. Well, I mean, most of them are too old. We're dead now. In, oh, there were a lot of them. I mean, they ran okay. in 1996 oh, well, it was, it was and 2000, 2008 as Reagan Republicans. A sated figure. Uh, think of what he stood for. Uh, he was for liberal immigration. He was for national security with a clear delineation between who was good and who was evil, a, a very clear delineation of those issues. I, I mean, everything that 
he, his philosophy was Trump might be as anti-Reagan as he is anti-Teddy Kennedy or something. That's what Luke Cannon says. That just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Luke Cannon, the great Reagan biographer, says that, that Trump is the anti-Reagan. Totally. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even, they couldn't be in the same room with each other. And, and but, but Reagan was pretty steadfast. I mean, in some place he was, you know, kind of out of it. But, but he was pretty steadfast in his views of, you know, what was good and what was bad, and he stuck by him pretty good, and everything that Trump stands for, Reagan thinks is bad. Yeah, the other thing is Reagan had a sense of humor. Trump's sense of humor is tail-snapping insults. Uh, that's always capable of. Um, it's, it's different. Let's just say it's a different kind of humor. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and And Kelly in Los Angeles says, why isn't more done to connect Trump to Jefferson Davis. I think Trump would not have voted for Lincoln. In addition, why isn't MAGA being referred to as the new Confederacy? That's a pretty good question, James. It, it, it is a good question. It, it, I, I understand, and I'm, I'm very passionate about this also. And, but most people don't. I mean, what you can say is these were unpatriotic people that were traitors to the United States, and we're going down the same path. And all of the same things that they argue and you hear the right arguing about today, you know, from succession uh, to to no government, to, I don't know wh whatever they are, but 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 I, I, I think your analogy is correct. But I just don't know that a lot of voters that we need have much of an idea who Justin Davis was. Although I do, and I'm right here in South Mississippi, maybe twelve miles from house he died in. James, while we were talking, I just, just came in over the news. The Supreme Court is slow walking the Trump immunity case. They've set uh, April 22nd for an oral hearing. <clears throat> That's their effort to come to Trump's uh, behalf so he won't be tried before the election. The Supreme Court in important cases can move quickly. It took them, I think, three weeks in the Pentagon case also on Watergate, this is this is an outrageous decision that's intended to help Donald Trump, and that's not what a Supreme Court should be doing. I just wanted to weigh in on that because I just saw My it. My view is often, I'll repeat it again, it all started with Bush v. Go in 2020. They don't really give a shit. They found out they could do whatever they want to do. And they want to slow walk this, they want to help Trump, the idea that these fucking people like read a law book or look at precedent or look at tradition or, or look at, you know, the English common law, any of that shit is insane. And this is exactly what you got when you let them run over the country in December of 2020. I am this is a not purely surprised by any of this. Right. James, our final question goes back to what you were talking about in the uh, in the beginning. Uh, Linda in <coughs> Holden, Massachusetts, uh, says she makes a recurring contribution to the Pennsylvania Democratic Party and would like to know if her money is well spent or if contributions could be better spent elsewhere. Well, I, I, I don't 
want to get, I, I, I would think your money would be better directed towards, say, the, the Wisconsin party, the Michigan party. Uh, I, from what I know, the, the Pennsylvania party is not one of the strongest, but I'll do a little more due diligence and maybe come back to this next week. But the, I know the Wisconsin party, the Michigan party, Virginia, I, I'm not so confident in Nevada, but uh, I, I'm very confident in those state parties. I would do some research before I would send them more money. I, may be, I could be wrong, or there could be changes in the party, or maybe they lined up a little differently, but I think I'm a big fan of the governor of Pennsylvania, and if he's not totally bought in, I'm not totally bought in. Okay, uh, please keep those questions coming in. If we didn't get to yours this week, we'll try to get to it next week. They, they are so good. So thank you, and uh, be with us next week. Following this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you check out the links to our sponsors, The Washington Post, Naked Wines, and Miracle Made in our episode show notes. We thank you for supporting them because when you do, it helps make this podcast happen. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also find other shows you might enjoy on the Politicon YouTube channel or when you search Politicon on your favorite podcast sites. And remember, please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning. 